0: Friends and bows welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott, and today we're talking about managing multiple income streams within your art business. With special guest Kristen Ray Chronic. Kristen is both an abstract and a realist painter. She works in many different materials, many different mediums. She teaches classes. She's a live wedding painter. She produces products with her artwork on it, and so much more. I had to interview Kristen because I was fascinated by all the different kinds of income streams that she has for her artwork and her art business. She talks about being an artist with ADHD today. She talks about balancing income with happiness and knowing where to spend your time. She talks about starting a live wedding painting business, how she came up with the idea to publish a book and what it took to get the book made in practicality. We talk about percentages of where her income is coming from. And the power of sending a cold email. I think you're really going to like this podcast today, especially since we're all trying to make a little bit more money within our art business, and you're going to get some good ideas from Kristen. Without further ado, here's our conversation.
1: Kristen, hi. Welcome to Brushwork. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Before we hit record, I was just telling you how much I miss you. So this is like a chance just to chat, and I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) I met Kristen five years ago. Was it with the Savvy Painter? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we did a yes. program with with Andres Wood, and it was great. And then we've kind of been online friends ever
1: since. Just online friends, yes. But it's not the same as having a conversation. So this is so special. <laughs> it's, it's we really still nice. need to meet up, too. <laughs> I think Someday. we had talked about that. It's going to do it. yeah.
0: Someday you're going to come to Seattle, or I'm going to go to... Are you still in North Carolina? I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida now. I,
1: I will move. come to you. It's great. I will come to you. <laughs>
0: <'Cause> <laughs> I will melt. <laughs>
1: I already do. <laughs> it's
0: going to be good. Um, okay, for our first question, Kristen, for people who aren't familiar with your work, can you describe what it is that you make?
1: Sure. Um, I am primarily a painter. I do work in multiple disciplines, but painting is is really my where my passion lies. Um, and honestly, my paintings take a lot of different forms. But the thing that links them all together typically is expressive brushwork intuitive uses of color um a lot of emotions but the paintings themselves will look like impressionist narrative oil paintings they'll also be more abstractions and, and a little bit of everything in between um but yeah emotion and storytelling is oftentimes an idea that I'm like, portraying um relationships and like journeys those are all subjects that I tend to gravitate towards and then sometimes just happiness because painting is fun <laughs>
0: There's nothing wrong with just painting happiness. I think sometimes people are like, oh, I have really complex theories and blah, blah, blah about my painting. I'm like, what if I just want to be about being happy?
1: Hmm?" Yeah, yeah, because I'm a human and sometimes I'm happy and painting is valid there too. So it's so great.
0: You've had kind of a a journey within your painting. You've you've painted, Mm -hmm. you've gone from doing a lot of landscapes, doing a lot of tree canopies. I think you renamed that series at one point. Um, But you have a lot of Feel like a lot of light in your paintings and that's that's something that i really noticed throughout all of your work you've done some abstracts you've done a lot of i want to say maternity related paintings i i noticed when i was going through your collection i was like oh but there's a lot of like beautiful like figures here of like parents and children and things like that and that's really nice and then lately i've been seeing a lot of fruit <laughs>
1: That's been my little, I just moved, I needed something fun. And that kind of popped up. My practice is very intuitive. And I kind of allow things to just evolve as they come. Um, Unfold. I just had a critique with Austin Thomas. And she said that, let it unfold. And I was like, that's exactly it. Like, I don't really go in with an agenda. It's Mm -hmm. more I kind of just try to make every day if I can. And then you know I'll have just flat files full of just these little experiments and then sometimes I'm like oh this this is the mark that I was trying to figure out over here in this more like representational old painting but then sometimes I'm like oh but this right here this would be really interesting if it was like gouache on paper like what would this look like and it's that's kind of I try to just like respond with curiosity and then allow them to take the forms that they do.
0: You have no limitations on your work. It's like, do I want to try oils? Do I want to try grosh? Do I want to try making giant friendship bracelets? <laughs> so I,
1: I need to make more of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's, It's very like, I don't know, it's... It's a huge range of just human emotions that you're working with. And I feel like you definitely go through some eras, uh, like our favorite Taylor Swift, where it's just like, <laughs> like this is Greg the landscape word. era and this is the bracelet um, era. And this is my era of like going through my MFA and things like that. And uh, it's fun to watch your evolution happen and the, the unfolding.
1: Thank you. It's thank you. Cool. <laughs> I really see art making as just a response to living. And we're not we're, – I am, we are not, I'm, we're all multifaceted people. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I will say like visual art is kind of like the only thing I have. Like there's some people who are like really great writers or like comedians and they have all these things. Like for me, it's just art. So that's, I think that's why it takes different expressions because we're different people. We're, we're complicated people and we have complex emotions and thoughts. And then sometimes we're just trying to exist in a world that's hard and, and I, I, I kind of allow all of it. And I think my biggest fear is to be forced into some box somewhere. Yeah. Like I, I want to just continue making whatever feels right at the moment. And I would, I, I hope this is my question. This is my, my theory or my thesis, I guess, of my creative life. Yeah. It's like, can I have a, a lifelong, you know, pursuit of the arts that involves design and things that are cute on a tote bag or a note card as well as something that's more sophisticated and maybe a more exhibition museum setting. Like, can all of these coexist within the same artist? I hope they can. I I hope so.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love that you're turning all of that curiosity also into your, your business as an artist. And one of the major things I wanted to talk to you about today was taking all of your ideas, which you have like more creative fire than anyone I've ever seen on the Internet <laughs> and, and turning it into a revenue that, you know, is one of the supports of your family and your life. You have so many different things going on. You have so many many different like revenue streams that I was like, I have got to talk to Kristen about this (laughs) specifically because she's like, I've got ornaments. I've got her classes. I've got the original paintings and commissions and prints and this and this and this. So we're going to we're going to break them down because that sounds great. I got to know about all of them. And I want to really I want to know is like, what is what's working? and what is like okay. what, what's what been failing and what's oh been... my gosh
1: yeah <laughs> yes I okay for one I just found out I'm ADHD like two years ago and like looking back I'm like duh like obviously. look <laughs> at all this like obviously <laughs> so once I figured that out I was like and we're just gonna embrace it this is where this gets to thrive because yeah. everywhere else in life I have to fall into this you know these expectations and parameters but in the studio I need freedom this is the place where I don't have to you know deal with it but I would I actually because I I got some read ahead questions I have numbers like percentages I think that's so interesting yeah it changes every year that's the other part so let's dig in
0: let's (laughs) dig in okay so can you break down your different like streams of income by percentages because I I would love to hear it like from every little category that you can think of just hit me
1: (laughs) okay um, I have broken these down. Um, it's also worth noting. So I have my work under my name, Kristen Chronic. I also have a pseudonym that I paint under called mm-hmm. Easel on Stripling, and that's where more of the narrative pieces are. So I kind of have like looked at those and combined them, and just to, like what are in the essence of what I'm doing: originals, prints, whatever. So love it. Okay, and uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. I'm going to give you 2022's numbers because 2023 is still in play. It and is. also, this has been a very weird year. So I'm going to give you a year that was like, 2022 was great. 2023 has been different. Um, so originals in 2022 were 29%. Um, There's actually like 29.6. I'm not going to say that. So if you okay. are adding <laughs> this up in your head, it may not equal 100% because I'm rounding Kristen, up and down. That's not 100 is originals. Prints is 11 or 12%. I have live painting, which is 11%. Um, Freelance teaching is 2%. That's like online classes. Mm -hmm. Um, I also am teaching adjunct, which I don't count here. Because that just is like, I kind of think of that as just like a day job. Not as like in my art business as much. Um, I do... Okay, commissions in total, I've never advertised those. These are just people ask for, is about 13 to 14%. Um, I have been dabbling in products and wholesale, um, and so I think of them differently because products, I was like, okay, that's directly from my website, right. that's mostly easel and stripling, that's 21%, wholesale. and that includes a book I made, um, wholesale, something I've really been loving, which is last year was 9 nine to 10%, and then I have... 0.67% for a few of these little random things here and there that don't have a bucket. Um, so that was last year.
0: That's fascinating. That is <laughs> that is surprising. There's some numbers there. Where I'm just like, wow. I. So how do you choose... Which one to pursue more? Because I'm sure you've made major changes from 2022 mm. to 2023 of what worked and what hasn't. Like when you said, I don't advertise commissions, but they take up 13, percent which is more than some things that you do advertise. Like what what directs this? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, I and I think it's taken me five years to come to this. I I want in a dream world the work that I just come up with that bubbles out of me every day. I, that's what I would love to primarily make my living off of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, I, I've learned that's a harder one. It's harder to sell, but it's the one that makes me the most happy. And so that's what I choose to share and talk about. Um, but the rest of it kind of just happens, comes to me and depending, and honestly, I that's the reality is I, since this is part of how I can, this is how I contribute financially to my family, I don't have the luxury of saying no to a lot of things. Um, I also am at peace with that, too, because as long as there's boundaries around them, I can only do so many commissions a year. I just they're they're rewarding. They're also very draining, Um, you know, so in life painting, same like they're wonderful. They're so much fun. I can't do them every single weekend. Like I just can't. So that's kind of, I allow them just to come to me and I'm open. And honestly, there's they're different every year. And I just try to have enough space in my studio where I can respond with a yes to be open to it like I never planned on live painting that was something that came to me and then I was like actually I kind of like this concept and I like the fact that I can plan it it's a year out basically so I know when it's coming I know when there's going to be drier months um and so that's kind of it it was just having some margin to say yes to what people are already asking of me
0: wow let's get into live wedding painting this is (laughs) a
1: huge part of your of your
0: business here how how did you get into the field? How did you even hear about live wedding painting? When you were like, I should try this.
1: I I had a bride ask me, um, and this was in 20, I think 2019, mm-hmm. maybe late twenty eighteen. They asked me, and I was like, Hell no! Why would I want to do something like that? That sounds terrible. Um, and and then we we met over dinner, and she was just sharing like what she was looking for, and I was like, Okay, fine, I'll do it, but like, I I need. I need the space for this to not work out. Like, you know, this just sounds really intense. Yeah. Um, and I did it and it was really intense. Like I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't like plan the night. Well, you know, I, I was like, she wanted me to watch her first dance. She And I was like, I need to paint during those, that first dance. Like I can get someone's like face done during the first dances. Right. Like that's like 15 minutes I really need. So it, that first one, I don't think I breathed the entire night. But then <laughs> afterwards I was like, okay, if I just like, makes if I practice a few things specifically like how can I like maybe capture faces quicker sure. um so very targeted practice there mixing my palette ahead of time since it's an oil um I was like I actually really love this idea because this is the only thing that I can plan more than a month out I feel like most of the time things just kind of happen and mm-hmm. I I do love spontaneity but not when it comes to paying bills and so I just was like this is pretty cool like this concept that like six to 12 months out, I'm booking things. And so yeah. I can see, I can kind of plan my year. And so I kind of just like, okay, like committed to it. I made a little web page, and, you know, started my portfolio. And then honestly, I think I started by reaching out to like wedding planners that were local mm-hmm. um, and just in like some venues. And then um, a lot of it became SEO and word of mouth and and then covid happened so it was this has been like the weirdest thing because 2019 was solid 2020 i had a solid year booked oh, and then no. like and like <laughs> and that was like my like rest i was like okay i ha- at least i know i can pay myself this year and then all of a sudden in like within 2 weeks like everything just disappeared correct <laughs> and then everything was rescheduled for 2021 so that year was like Ridiculous. I think I had three weddings in eight days between Miami and Savannah. So that's like, if you're not on the East coast, it's like, I don't know, eight hours of driving. And I was just like, this was, that was my limit. I learned. And then this year, so 2022 is normal. And then this year I, a lot of vendors had this experience I had a very low booking year um Hmm. and I I don't maybe it's just kind of overcorrection from the madness of 2021 um and then next year I have a pretty normal you know at this point it's booking about where it used to be so yeah that would be great if it continued
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) y'all I I want to encourage you to visit Kristen's website at this point because her I I was like looking at your wedding painting page that you've made for this and it is Outstanding, like the marketing on it is so good. And like, she's like, I'm gonna solve problems for you. And I'm like, What kind of problems could a wedding painter solve? But then you like look (laughs) at it, you're just like, This is genius. And I, (laughs) I I just, if you need a great example for a website, you should go to Kristen's. That is beside the point. I'm gonna stick to wedding painting because I have to be focused. Y'all, we have so much to cover today, it's too much. Okay, (laughs) you went into your first wedding painting totally, like, you're a beginner in it, obviously. You were like, stressing out, you're not breathing, that's hysterical. Um. and can you can you describe what like a typical wedding day is like for you yeah. like the lead up for this process
1: yeah and I think for like as I follow a number of wedding painters now and I think everyone has their own process mm-hmm. um which is kind of cool too I have learned for me I really enjoy the spontaneity of the moment and um also, for me, a lot of it has to do with placing the people within a scene. So there's a narrative element. I think that's more in mind. A lot of some people just kind of focus on portraits. Um, I, I really enjoy the story. So um, the, ahead of time, once we're booked, my my only really stipulation is that I, I like to know what moment I'm painting beforehand. It, I try to get at least a month beforehand. Usually it's three months just because right. if, if, for for the couple, things get chaotic that last month. So I just like to know, I never want to go into the wedding day, not knowing what I'm painting, mm-hmm. which and, and it's usually like, sometimes it's just a portrait. Sometimes it's the exit from the ceremony. Sometimes it's the first dance and they really want the party. Like, and there's usually a couple of words. And so like, I kind of try to respond to the painting as that like, yeah, I want movement and fun. I'm like, okay. Or I like, I just want it to be simple and us. I'm like, okay um and so I go into it knowing that um yeah and I and I have a really good like usually the usually the weddings I have also have wedding planners sometimes they don't um so if they have a wedding planner they'll typically give you like a minute by minute breakdown of the day and so I will kind of layer that based off it's amazing and they're usually pretty on on top of it too so I will kind of layer that and based off what they want like Every wedding is the same and every wedding is completely different. Um, and the environmentals are changing. Sometimes I'm painting outside, sometimes inside, sometimes there's pink light. Sometimes there's natural light. And it's just like, there's a lot of these factors. So I like to get what I know ahead of time. So just depending on what that is, if it's the first dance and that's not happening till halfway through the reception, that's mm-hmm. like, that's important. Like I need to, that means I need to paint a lot of other things first so I can get them at the very right. end, which that's a pretty stressful one, but it's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So basically, I'll get there. I usually get there a couple hours before the ceremony. If they have a first look, I always come for first look because I will get as much images as possible. I usually take video because you can Mm -hmm. get movement and expressions that I can still shot them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mix my palette around then and I have uh, I usually I respond in the moment, but I have a pretty standard like you, you get the skin tone the dress, the tux if it, you know, depending on the couples who are, you know, you get kind of those big things done and then make color decisions based off of that um and what they want. And then so once I have the colors already mixed, then it's a matter of just drawing and painting. And and normally it's like I have I always try to do the couple's faces during dinner because that's when people are not watching me. Um and I need a little bit of space for that because usually (laughs) takes me two or three tries to get it right i have like i have an ipad that i can sometimes like figure i can share that one later but um so i kind of work through there and then and then the rest of it's just go and the one thing that i don't do is extensive studio touch-ups so my my couples know that this is a live painting I will clean up a few things sometimes old paints get kind of muddy like you know if the blue is turning a funky color because of the ground that didn't dry quite obviously I'll I'll clean that up but like I don't want these to overtake my studio practice and so my couples know that this is a live painting it's in the moment it's not like the faces of the couple will be developed but usually nobody else um and that's that's how that's the boundary that I have and they usually are great with it so that's
0: that's (laughs) setting those boundaries must have been a learned experience for you like (laughs) setting those like parameters that is really great what 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 sort of mistakes did you make when you were first starting out
1: A lot of it, I was just really hard on myself because it is a live Mm. painting. Like you don't have, it's a live painting and there's a lot of factors you can't control. And so... I quickly learn to mix color and natural light when there's no stress. Cause for me, color is a really big part of my work. And Mm -hmm. so if I can't see what's on my palette, I know, I usually know what colors do what, but still there's nuance. And like, sometimes I'll come afterwards. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that painting was so yellow. I didn't even realize it. And so you have to kind of, so I try to always figure that out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Not pacing myself well, Um, probably even just setting expectations. I, I always have finished, but now every time I talk to a couple, I say like it's possible I won't, especially if there's a lot of people they want in it. Sometimes it's like grandparents and all these people I have to find. Um, so I always try to set that expectation. And that's actually another one I, I would say yes to everything. I've had I've had some couples the day of make changes in the composition. At this point, I've already kind of like got the composition. I can't just change it in the middle of a painting. Like I've already made decisions. So that's a big one. That's like. I yeah I including 18 family members can be really challenging because I'm spending all my time finding them not painting at the wedding itself so Mm -hmm. I have started to like do less of that because I just find it just makes it more stressful and again I end up like having to focus on that more than other parts of the painting that may need more attention
0: that is Great advice, set expectations, and don't overwork yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and sunscreen, bug spray, snacks, and water. <laughs> we
0: love to – don't assume you're going to be fed. That is for sure. <laughs> um, can, you, can you talk about your packages and how much you charge for these sort of things and how that's yeah. changed over the last couple of years?
1: It actually hasn't changed much. Mm. Um, I I initially started off losing money because it just cost me money to get started. I had to buy insurance. I had to buy an easel that would fit the size of paintings that I would use. I had yeah. my plein air easel, which only fit like, you know, 11 by 14. And I was working on 24 by 30. So um, I learned the hard way there. But within the first year, I pretty much, I think of the first year I charged like 1600 And then kind of went up. And then now, really, for the past three or four years, I've been sticking with the same, which is 2,800 for my standard. That's what most people do. And then I have a bigger size that I think is, like, 32. I haven't changed that. For me, I just found that's about the sweet spot for, like, it's something that's not, you know, you don't really – I mean, you don't need anything in a wedding technically, like you could get, you can get a slope and it's fine. But like, this is kind of more of like an, an extra thing someone will do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for it to be worth, they take a lot of energy. Like there's, there's amount, like they take up just space in my life. And so especially since they're Saturdays, I have three kids, like there's, I've realized like I, I can't do them too often. Like one a month is my, I, I would, that'd be perfect if it was one a month, Yeah. um, and so I, I it was, it's kind of a combination of like what I need and what the amount of space and energy that they take up. And also like they are intense. And so like there's a lot of focus. And so that's that's kind of how I have priced it out. And again, yeah, I think I'm good. I think we're going to stay here. It's about right for my area.
0: I love that. You, you are charging not just for the day itself and the painting. You're charging for all the planning before and all the meetings and all the like dealing with wedding people. <laughs> It's a lot of work. Um, a really cool branch of your income. I, I really, I, I admire people who do wedding paintings and I would never, I would never want to do it. It sounds like, it sounds so intense. And bra- bravo. Amazing.
1: <laughs> I will say the couples are like, I don't think I've had a single couple that wasn't wonderful. Every once in a while, it's a family member that actually will be more challenging. But mm-hmm. typically, the couples are like, awesome. So I mean, the kind
0: of person that wants to hire a live wedding painter is just cool. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> like, you could have gotten
0: a photo booth, you could have gotten like something else, but instead, you found an artist. And that's just so sweet.
1: <laughs> they are so sweet.
0: <laughs> Let's switch tracks here a little bit. I want to hear about another one of your incomes that you have mm-hmm. recently had a show with your alias easel and stripling and that was really cool a museum show with your art and your paintings yeah. and can you can you talk about that show
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i, I kind of have to talk about the origin before i get to that part yeah um, and so easel on stripling is a initially started as a painting project i kind of started for myself um i i knew i always wanted to do it and i would say probably since 2009 is when I was like first, like oh maybe 2008, like I want to do this project. Wow. But, and I would say like that project is kind of what guided me in how I learned to oil paint. Like I really loved all the Prima impressionism at first. And now since my tastes have definitely expanded, but like initially that was what I was just really drawn to. And, and I always had it in my mind, it would be to do this project and then we'll see what goes from there. um And so I started it, like, I mean, I had been intentionally learning technique and how to paint right. since then, right? But, like, I didn't really start the project until 2018. And I just, I wanted to tell this story. And the reason why is because I went to the Naval Academy and was in the Navy and I didn't really know I I knew it felt like the right fit for me. It was like that's it. It was just like I was there. It, it was like something about it really like really called to me. I ended up serving on ships. Like there's just something really interesting about that world. Yeah. Um. Didn't know what to expect when I was a senior in high school. I discovered some photographs by um a guy named Pete Souza. He actually became Obama's official photographer. So when I found him, he wasn't as much of that. But now he's like huge. And um, so I just discovered he just basically followed it's our version of boot camp and I just these photos like this was before social media is what it is now like this was the only thing I had ever seen that was so honest and they helped me and so I was like I want to go back and and pay it forward like in my own way from my yeah. own perspective and so um which come to find out it's a totally different perspective like I I definitely focus more on the people and empathy and community and I've, I've just over time realized that's the, a very common theme that tends to pop up and what I'm trying to say is this idea of connection and togetherness. Um and so yeah it started in 2018 and I think right now it's probably like 170 paintings, um, maybe more. That's amazing. It's a lot. <laughs> I basically just broke them up into ideas and I I'd do two or three series of like 15 paintings a year. And since they're all a la prima, they're kind of immediate. I, mm-hmm. I wanted them to be that way. It fits my, my disposition, ADHD, all that stuff. Um I would just find different ways to tie ideas together within this very niche idea, very niche idea. And then um, in 2020, 20 I think or maybe even 2019 I had pitched the idea to the museum that's at the Naval Academy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I couldn't believe it they called me back that day and they're like this is something we haven't seen before but we just really like the idea and it it went from like five paintings to 20 and the 20 was like okay there's 170 or whatever we're at now that I've done within this idea but I was like okay if if I could boil it down to just 20 moments this is what they would be so the curate of the Curation aspect was yeah. really helpful for me as an artist to be like, okay, what is the essence of this experience? And, right. and here it is. They ended up acquiring them. So they bought all 20 and for their permanent collection, which was so cool.
0: Congratulations.
1: Uh, thank you. <laughs> and then that actually that ended up loaning it to another national veterans museum. That's in Ohio. And so it just like, all of a sudden, I'm like, this is so much bigger than I ever thought it would be. And so they it actually just went down last month. It was up for six months at the National Veterans Memorial and Museum in Ohio. And so they're they're a veterans museum. It's it's not a they, they like to say they're not a military museum. There's not like tanks and guns and all that stuff. Sure. It's about stories and it's about yeah. like the people who who had this experience. And it's a very diverse group of people and um and so they they were like yours kind of fits right in with what we're doing it's like here's this idea of a story and it's like a different perspective and so yeah it was so cool one of the most creative fulfilling things I've ever done to you know there there was the paintings were not even for sale it was so all we did was sit there and like talk about a story which was like Ah, oh, that's so cool. I almost wish that we didn't have to make money. I wish, I absolutely wish that we didn't need money because it's so much more fun just to right. make and and just enjoy it. <laughs> I,
0: I, okay, one, that's, that's super cool. That is like such a fun idea and it's so amazing that they got acquired. And I love the guts you had just to send an email that catalysted all of this work and all of this <laughs> adventure. And your first, is that correct? Museum show? Yeah yeah. 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 And
1: that actually, and again, I think that's such a testament like to how sometimes one person can make such a difference in your career. Cause mm-hmm. that one guy responded to me that one guy also like the secretary of the Navy has toured and then he's really interested in art and diversity and like inclusion. And so I think that like a lot of my paintings talk about that too. And so he ended up like connecting me with him. And now I have a show at the Pentagon as well, which was like, It's just so cool. And I'm like, it's this one person that just like responded to it and like was like, hey, and it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just really neat. It's, I'm very grateful.
0: If you, if you learn anything from Kristen today, um, it's uh, set boundaries and send the email. (laughs) Send
1: the email. I get so many rejections or just mostly just not responses, but every once in a while they say yes and. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I,
0: I love that. It's one of my goals for 2024 to get 50 rejections and which means Beautiful. every time I get a yes, I apply for another thing and it's it's super.
1: <laughs> I love that. What a great goal. <laughs> it's a good one. you you keep the podcast updated on the rejections. I will
0: absolutely. I like at the end of every episode, this one's coming out in February, but like I I'll just be like, all right, so we're at this many.
1: <laughs> just a little running tally. That's amazing! Oh my gosh, I might have to borrow that idea and apply it to my own. (laughs) I
0: think I think it just like sets you off into possibility land, and it just like sets you into like I want to try things. Not that you lack in that, but like (laughs) it's you you just you try, you try, and that's you try.
1: But like I, I mean, I can say I I try things all the time, and I get tired. So it's Mm -hmm. like, and sometimes it's good to just have like that reset. Like, okay we're gonna get 20 rejections Mm -hmm. like in the next six months let's do it so because it's like sometimes yeah you just like i just just want everyone to come to me it'd be great
0: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) doesn't work
1: that way unfortunately
0: (laughs) Uh, unfortunately can you tell me about the book that you wrote for your achievement's journey
1: Yeah. So that was, that was initially when I, when I set out to do it, what I wanted it to turn into, because, Mm -hmm. and honestly only because that's how I first discovered Pete Souza was through a coffee table book that I looked at. Right. And I was just thinking like what I love about this community. It's not, this is not about the military. Like it's, it's not what it's about. It's about a community that has a very similar experience that spans decades and socioeconomic statuses Mm -hmm. and gender and race and all these things that divide us as people, I, I would just look around and be like, look at look at how many different kinds of people all have a memory of the same experience like that's incredible to me like what an opportunity for empathy and for connection and to understand a different point of view and so that was really like what this was about obviously like I'm going to keep it about like this particular nuanced experience but um so the book ended up being a place for all those paintings to live that you could hold I think that sometimes getting things out of the computer is important and you can see things or your phones um I did include prose and just like little moments about it. And I kind of pictured it being something that anyone who's in the community could appreciate with their own version of the stories. And also outside of it, it's very much about journey, um, about any kind of experience that changes you, which I think anybody who's a human has had an experience that changes them. Yes, um, That's part of being a human. um, And so uh, that's kind of what it was. I mean, logistically it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in, Tell me as an artist yeah okay yeah um you know let's get into that because I feel like that's it's like nobody uh, hears for about once. yeah no okay so first I I did publish it however it was a hybrid like model so I still funded it okay and that was an exchange for a lot of control I had it I wanted it to look a certain way and I was like I definitely want this and this is also I got connection through this publisher through the museum as well they're like hey they just did a book for us like oh, nice. i think this would be a great fit it was kind of a lot of reasons to do it i had to fund it it was not cheap um so whenever the pa- the paintings were acquired by the museum it's actually how i like initially did the down payment it was mm-hmm. like a check went right through me i never saw it it just went straight <laughs> to the company um and so uh, the financial piece i think is worth talking about like because yeah it costs money um and I sold a lot of the paintings that I'd made and that's just kind of how I would fund being a human and eating. Of course. Um, So it's not like there's a ton there to like, you know, I don't just have whatever to spend on a book. So um, I ended up doing pre-orders at first. The problem is like I had to do pre-orders nine months before they'd get the book which is a long time, long time um wait. and so it's a long time to wait it's a, but luckily like I had a, a good amount of people who had been following me from the very beginning so like we did pretty well with the pre-orders but it still wasn't enough so I actually ended up taking out a loan for the rest of it and I'm still paying it back like it's wow. it's hard it's really hard I don't regret it but I feel like you have to be like real about that because it's you know so, um, there's that, then there's the marketing piece of a book. I'm like, that's just a different animal. Like it's different than art. Like the amount of talking about it and all these things, it's just like, I, I, I knew it would be hard. It's harder than I thought it would be though. Um, and, but it's also like, there's like, I mean, I've done everything from book signings in small indie stores that are like close to me and up in Maryland where it's just really where it's centered, um
0: do you sell your book only on your website
1: no I this website of course and then I am in probably four or five different little bookstores maybe three or yeah four or five as well but it's it's a little bit at a time and so Mm -hmm. I think that's like now that I realized that I mean I kind of knew going into it this would be hard again it was harder than I thought um but it was worth it because this is a project that needed to happen like I was just like I know like if like, I have to do this, like I've mm-hmm. been thinking of this since 2008, like this has to happen, but it's definitely been a sacrifice to make it happen. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: Gosh, when do you, do you think you'll ever break even with it?
1: Um, they say with books, typically you don't until the second printing. Hmm. Um, I don't know though, to be honest, if I could like, I, we'll see. I, see. I we'll see, we'll see. And that's okay. <laughs> honestly. Cause it's opened up the doors because I do enjoy making products too. And I'm kind of big, like I want my paint. I just feel like my paintings need to live as paintings. And so paintings and prints every so often I might do a puzzle if it feels right, but like for the most part paintings and prints. And so, but I do like to design. And so it's sort of like the book is like, Oh, but then I also have like greeting cards and like other fun things that are like, sometimes painting takes a lot of emotional and mental energy and Mm -hmm. like designing on my iPad is like oh my gosh I can just sit here and like watch a movie and it's cold outside and I have a and I, I'm maybe feeling sick and I can make something still so <laughs> that's kind of opened up like more of the wholesale product side as well um I recognize if I focused on just maybe two or three I'd probably be less fanatic and probably more profitable but I have too much fun doing all of it so hey if you're happy are.
0: you don't have to be profitable
1: <laughs> <laughs> You can just be an artist and it's be great. Like, (laughs) Not that there's
0: anything just about it. I do like the fact that you are making products and you are getting them into different design shops and with different companies. You've made, so from what I know, you've made greeting cards, you've made puzzles, you've made fabrics, you've made a book, you've made ornaments. Is there anything else I'm missing that you've created?
1: (laughs) Well, with my regular art under my name, it's really just ornaments and sometimes cards. I actually want to do some more though, because... I enjoy design. I enjoy fabrics and all that yeah. stuff. So I kind of, I want to kind of, kind of like grow that a little bit just because it's fun with easel and scribbling. Let's see. We have books, greeting cards. I do, or, I do an ornament every year. That's kind of a collaboration. I love the idea of collaboration. And mm-hmm. so sometimes with easel on scribbling, I'll actually purchase something. Like I'll collaborate with another maker that does something entirely different that would fit our audience. And so like one year I worked with a, a girl that made these cute bracelets. And so like I said, here's what I, like here's the inspiration go and yeah. so I bought them wholesale from her and then I sold them retail um and so like sometimes I'll do that too but being a retail like that's a lot I, I don't I, I think I've learned I, I think I really appreciate people who do retail and I'm gonna live more on the artist side probably to make stuff <laughs> that's 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 a beast man
0: since we just had the holidays let's talk about the ornaments more s- specifically you put them in a shop uh, let's see is it um, Riley Art in Pieces? Is that the one you? you see, yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
1: I've always loved when artists do ornaments because I like to buy them because it's just like, it's like a little gallery on my tree. Cute. I like the, con. <laughs> it's so fun. And I also like, I love it because I touch an ornament every single year. So it's actually like, sometimes you like, walk by past a painting and like you almost get used to seeing it or something i don't know but like as an ornament like i touched them all and so like Mm -hmm. i just like love the concept of them so i have bought them many times just as like oh my friends have made this and that makes me think of them and so i've always wanted to make some um but i but i never found like the right medium and right way that wasn't like i'm not going to do a full-on painting on an ornament that's just like that's a lot of way too much it's a lot of work and and also, why? Like, why? And so, um last year, I finally, I, I just a lot of my work that's under my name has uses nature motifs. Mm-hmm. And so, finally, I'm like, well, what if instead of painting nature, I painted with nature and allowed color to really be the story? And so, that's where kind of the idea was first born. And so, I started last year using moss to just make different textures and play with different color stories. Um, so I buy, I buy the ornaments just like pre-made I paint them and I seal them and do all that. It's plenty of work just, just there. Uh And then this year, this year I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to allow these color. I'll probably make the similar ones every year, but like every year add a couple colors and concepts based off of the creative output of the year. And so this year I, um. I was in the middle. I was out of my house for like six months. And at one point we stayed at the beach for a few weeks. And so I got lots of inspiration at the beach. Like my husband calls it the beach album. Like when country artists go, <laughs> go and like go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, we're in our beach <laughs> and And um, at the same time, as um, an author that I have become friends with who has been writing uh, books of poetry about her grief's journey with her mom so she her mom passed away um a couple years ago and she's got basically one book a year that's kind of like the year of her mom's passing the year after and then this next one coming out and she ended up having me do the covers for them and i was like i just feel like it's too perfect to like not miss like the beach there's this poetry journey that i've been able to like enjoy this relationship with this girl um and so this year as i used like instead of moss i used bubbles like legit like dish soap and a straw like, I look like <laughs> <a> crazy person <laughs> but That's the effect so was exactly it was so freaking fun like my husband comes home he's like what you doing Kristen and I'm just like <laughs> blowing <laughs> bubbles but I was like I, I just thought that would be that was a kind of like I feel like the gist of the year and so I kind of made those colors and next year who knows what it'll be but there's so much fun and Last year I sold them just online, and this year I was like, well, like I've, I've learned how to approach stores better. And so I had reached out to um, – my gallery also has a sister store that has, like, more goods and, like, home goods. And so there's a preexisting relationship there. So I, I, I like, talked with them. And then, and then my worlds collided. This is how things go. Yeah. Let it unfold, right? I was up in Annapolis just two weeks ago with – doing some markets with easel on stribbling, like not talking about my, my original work at all, but I did bring the ornaments cause it's a Christmas market. So I was like, why not? Let's just bring them. And then um, we got rained out of the last day. My friend was up there helping me. We were just sitting on the couch. Just like, I, was, I actually said like, I'm not pitching anything today. I'm so freaking tired of just like putting my name out there. Like <laughs> we're going to watch trashy reality TV on the couch. And then out, out of the wall crawls this very alive cockroach pfft oh. and not neither of us apparently can handle this and like i'm running down the street it's th- 25 degrees outside in slippers can someone help us no one helps us <laughs> we we get the roach there's a snow shovel it's out but we decide we are not safe on this couch we have to go out and so we just like and i was like nope we're not pitching i'm i'm done um we walk into the store we are just shopping for you know ourselves or our parents or whatever And um, we start chatting with the shop owner, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, she's like, I'll take 25 ornaments. And I was like, okay, what is your life? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like sometimes, after that, we're like, well, we just had this big win. Let's go to three more stores and see if we can get, you know, some more rejections. (laughs) So it was really, really, really fun. It was
0: was the cockroach of destiny. (laughs)
1: Yes, like, thank you to that cockroach. It was horrifying, but... Wow.
0: Wow. Okay, you know you know, I was like hoping for realistic strategies on how to like help people get into shops like this, but you know, you just find a cockroach in your couch and there
1: you go. That's how you There we go. I had the gave me the courage I needed to to pitch it. So
0: (laughs) You can see the bravery. That's hysterical. Yeah.
1: Well, wow. There are more systematic ways. Um, I made, you can like probably find these on Skillshare, like classes on how I made a line sheet or catalog mm-hmm. and made it look pretty. And mm-hmm. so I printed them and like, and I gave them to like the shop owner. I'm like, hey, you know, and so that's like how I initially, that, that's the systematic way to do it. Yeah. But, but every so often you just get lucky and no. it's right place, right time, but <laughs> but i also had a lot of people just never respond so just for the record i think it's a numbers game just like everything else mm-hmm. like you know you will pitch it to people and they don't it won't be the right fit that's okay it's not personal do
0: you do you put in a i mean i know you do this with your website but do you put in a lot of effort i guess your presentation look really good when you're giving it to shop owners and things like that
1: yeah um but there's only so much time in the day so i i made a probably once or twice a year I'll like update my portfolio um I mean it's hard it's hard to keep up with it all yeah. um I but I wish they would be more streamlined like here I, I paint a series we photograph it and and yes there is that but then there's also these ancillary projects that are happening at the same time and so you know but when it comes to products I I follow Katie Hunt um she does a a series called Proof to Product um, it, it's all about wholesale and yeah. that's helped me so much. She, and she recomm- and I've been doing this and I, re- and I highly recommend it. Like when it comes to products twice a year and twice a year only, do I update everything? Cause if you're just constantly, dec- I was like, the paintings are happening constantly. I can't mm-hmm. have two things like that. And so basically I'll like, in, in July or August, I'll start planning Christmas by usually October. I'll have all, I'll, I'll at least have prototypes, of everything that I'm going to offer. I'll take pictures in one fell swoop update this InDesign document that just gets changed every year. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do the same. For easel and stripping, I'll do the same in the spring. But for my fine art, I probably won't because it's really just the holidays that I share that stuff.
0: Do you plan out your year, like, every six months? Is that what you're doing? It kind of sounds like it.
1: Um, I I have... It's, it's not sexy at all. It's just a spreadsheet that's just kind of like, here's the stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. it's... And there's some things I can predict like I know every July I'll start thinking about Christmas that's just an honest I should probably start sooner probably June to be honest I've that's that has gotten earlier every year the more I do it it's just because it's like September October comes and it's just like oh my gosh like too much um because that's also show season like is October November and you know so it's like I can't do everything at once um so I do there's certain things that I just know every year like this will happen but then there's a lot that I just don't know and it's different every year the beauty of weddings is that I usually have six months notice if not more Mm -hmm. um and then and then i'll i kind of have i also kind of know like exhibition season is like march april and then november whatever so it's like i kind of just know like that's usually i tend to make a lot right now into january and february and that will usually be the work that kind of carries me into the summer whenever back when my kids had daycare i could get a lot done now it's actually hard cuz they're they're in school so they're actually home a lot this summer so i'm learning the hard way that's different so I do plan but also there I have to I've learned to not over plan because it's for yeah. me it's just too much and also like I have a lot of tangential ideas and yes. sometimes it's just nice to like let the one idea come up and like it'll just derail the plan I'm like whatever we're going with it I like this one more anyways
0: can you clarify what you mean by show season
1: typically group shows like there's a couple local ones that I'll submit to I used to actually plan new work for them. I've learned since now um they can be a better one to catch inventory that hasn't sold. Yes. So um that's actually I'm learning how to manage that too. Um But to, there's like two that are local to me that I've pretty much done every year that are great for that. They're just like you have your 10 by 10 foot square and I don't have to man it. I just give the work. It's there for a weekend. What sells, sells. And so these are like so art fairs? Show there's shows more yeah. um I I don't love standing out like in the tent that's just too much <laughs> I don't lot. have that much energy so um there's usually that maybe I'll apply to a call for art like it's different they're just they tend to often be in the spring and in the fall I just feel like that's just always where they seem to be um so but there's always this rolling I try to for the more for the artist resume, try to like pay attention. I, I kind of have taken a break since my MFA, but I, I want to get back into more of those because it's important for growth. Are they with your
0: gallery, st- uh, Stellar's Gallery? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. And lately, even represented by an online collective gallery artist yes. collective, uh, yes. w- Well in Wonder. Um, yeah. Yeah how does how does that work mostly I'm super curious whenever I talk to people who have more than one like online representation beyond their own website it's like how do you choose which gallery gets which paintings
1: such a good question I'm still figuring it out I don't like to add a relationship casually because of that um I got to a point Stellar's tends to like certain work. They don't necessarily want others based off of their clientele. And I basically got to this place. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, okay, I have enough sitting in my storage unit. It's time for me to find another one. And they ended up really responding to other work that I do. And so for now that's a good fit. Like Stellar's likes more of the like natural colors and trees that are big. Um, and well in wonder tends to gravitate more towards the colorful ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't do a lot of like, I don't really do a lot of like series releases just through my website. I I kind of probably within the last year decided I wanted to every, if I have a body of work that feels cohesive, um, every once in a while, there might be two or three paintings that are just oddballs. And I'm like, those are great ones to like, kind of just under the radar submit maybe to something but if there's like here's 15 paintings that represent an idea right i i want it to be in conjunction with an official entity that's not just my website mm-hmm. i am not big enough for that to really make sense to be honest and so you know maybe i'll do a show like i did an exhibition with stellars last year and then well and Wonders really good about that so um and this year i'm hoping to have other ideas that i can maybe expand that and collaborate with some other entities that would be a good fit um and then again if things sell great and if they don't then I get to figure out what to do with the inventory and that's a lot it's hard but it's it's okay (laughs) it's it's a lot to manage
0: it's interesting in Washington it's really common for galleries to want half of everything that you make no matter what if you're in a relationship with them. and so whenever I'm like oh interesting like Stellars is out of North Carolina and I'm like oh that's interesting that they It's like what you give them is what they work with um, instead of, like, from your website and things like that. So I was going to ask you about, like, your contracts, but I don't think that's a problem for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, they – Stellar's – they actually have one in North Carolina, but they actually are also in Florida, which is where I am. Um, But they – if they ever sell anything – because every once in a while – have a client come in and they're familiar with my work then they might sell something like hey this is on her website and they'll like text me um and then obviously that's like 50 50 like that's how we do it but um i that's just a conversation that we had early on i was like hey like you know out of respect like what do you expect and so for them they they just want exclusivity for jacksonville um every so often though i'll have another gallery like connect me with a project, and I actually what I'll do is loop Stellar's in, and so then like they actually will split like, like they they're like it's fine like you get your your cut, and then we will also get each get our cut like the gallery I think I think typically they will split it like t- 30, 20 whatever. or whatever yeah, yeah whatever it is so like that's like between them but um figuring that out kind of the long way like how how to best navigate this because it's you know you want you want to get your work out there and get opportunities but Mm -hmm. it gets muddy when there's too many people involved so
0: you want to respect the people who are representing you and also like the work they're putting in but also like (laughs) taking new opportunities can you tell me about how you got into a relationship with well and wonder
1: yeah um it was i i just had a local friend that was involved and i we had met for coffee years ago, and she had told me she was starting. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I was in the middle of the MFA. I'm like, I am in no, no space right now. I cannot handle another relationship. But then I I graduated, and I was like, I don't know, I feel ready. It was, you know, kind of that, that moment. And so she actually gave me a warm intro. Um, They only take, I think it's like 40 artists at a time, and mm-hmm. they just so happened that they had an opening, like, within a few months of that email. Nice. And I think a warm, a warm email always helps. Like, yeah a cold pitch is hard so again it's sometimes it's that network and the friendships that you make um I'm very grateful because that was generous of her to share um mm-hmm. and, yeah it's worked, it's worked well for me so far except for the last six months that's been hard for I think everybody though it's, it's been, hard been a for everyone couple. yeah it's been a hard everything's been hard this year so we're doing our best <laughs> we're doing our best yeah
0: do you you have a collection <laughs> coming out with world wonders soon is that correct yeah
1: yeah yeah I do <laughs> I want Well, I think we're talking in February, but um, mm-hmm. this will air in February. But we're talking now. I, I actually, what I really want. This is a great example of tangents. Um, I'm actually planning on a series returning to those giant tree paintings that I first oh, did in exciting. 2019, um, but I've been <laughs> wanting to approach them differently, like with more immediacy. Like, I, you know, kind of the theory going into them is like, can I express this? being this giant giant ass tree I call them in five strokes like how concise can I be with their Mm -hmm. power I'm probably not going to paint them in five strokes but that's kind of the that's like the like the intention going into it you know and playing with that but in this process I've been doing like just over the past few months a lot of experimentation with materials and um just various methods of making marks and I kind of came across this like I don't know, this form that kept wanting to come out. And all of a sudden I'm like, I was having a day and I was like, I'm just going to paint some oranges. I think I was teaching that day and they were having (laughs) projects and I'm like, I just want to have fun. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my gosh, this would be perfect for Well and Wonder. Like I just, I know kind of what they like. Um, And I pitched it and they're like, yeah, it sounds great. So I'm really working on trees, but I'm taking a tangent, you know, diversion (laughs) and I'm making a (laughs) series of citrus fruit, and kind of this more, I call them expressionisms. It's like this way of making marks that kind of bubbled out of me in, I think, 2020 or so, or maybe 2019, that it's just like, it's, I don't know, there's something that feels very fun about them. Um, and they loved them. So I was like, cool, I'll make that. And then I'll go back to the trees. And I'm hoping the trees can actually be like an in-person exhibit. I'm going to actually do a proposal for a few different places and try to like get them a different in a different space than they've been before. But I really want those to be in person
0: that is awesome that's so cool (laughs) you
1: have so many fun
0: projects ahead i'm like oh i can't wait to see it um
1: actually though i feel like you had asked about planning before Mm -hmm. so in 20 for last year at the end of 2022 so into 2023 i actually had well and wonder actually scheduled out like i'm gonna do maybe three different series maybe february may and september whatever it was and here's what i think i'll do um epic fail i did the first one and then my ideas changed and i still i still release things then but it wasn't at all what i planned for and i think that's what i'm realizing like it helps to have something scheduled but like learning how to be more vague in what those things will be um that's the that's the part that i'm learning kind of the hard way i can't as soon as i give myself like a parameter i'm going to like my creativity is going to be like, nah, we're not interested in that anymore. <laughs> Bye.
0: <laughs> Giving yourself room to breathe creatively um, while also in a contract with a business is a tricky balance and it takes practice. It's hard. Yeah.
1: It's hard. It's hard. Because,
0: you know, you want to respect your own creative spirit here, but also you want to deliver a product that can actually sell with the clients of whoever's selling them for you. And that's, I, I feel like whenever I look at, I was doing some research before this and I was looking at Well and Wonders website and I was like, oh, they have a very distinct style of art that they like. Like, it's very, mm-hmm. you, you see it and you're just like, it's not all the yep. same. I would not say that, but it's definitely all in the same vibe atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, OK, so this needs to be at some point something that they would actually like. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's 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 tricky. It's fun. Um It is. Tell me about teaching. Let's talk about teaching. Let's talk about teaching. (laughs) You Um, are an adjunct professor, professor, an adjunct professor, (laughs) and you teach online classes.
1: Yeah. Now, um, the adjunct thing kind of came up after I graduated, and I. And that ended up kind of derailing a lot of my plans for online teaching but I'm so grateful it did because teaching in person has been a really rewarding experience and like you know my I, my classes are between 12 and 18 students so they're pretty small actually 18 is pretty big but um they're but it's a small group of students that I'm with you know we have to we meet twice a week for two or three hours so it's like it's a slow process and there's been something about like walking with them and a lot of these are absolute beginners like we're talking about how to hold your pencil how to set up your easel like how to stand in relationship to your easel. like i I have to go back to the very beginning um and that actually has been really rewarding to like walk through them walk through that with them um but i i did initially go into teaching and one reason why I got my MFA was to like dive into that world a little bit because I did not go to art school to learn how to paint. I obviously went back for my MFA, which was not skill based. It was mm-hmm. more theory. Um, and I really wanted to provide an outlet for what I didn't have, which was like something that I could do anywhere. Like I could do this in the Navy, you know? Um, little did I know that like the world would explode with online teaching as I was, you know, coming out. But um, and so, but it's still something that I want to do. I just have given myself a lot like, buckets and buckets of grace to like on my pace, which ends up being like one class a year. So it's very slow. It's not a huge income producer, but I feel like after teaching adjunct and being in the MFA program where information is ser- shared so freely and generously, I actually like really am okay with that. And mm-hmm. like Skillshare, I just like is a very, it's a very kind way to share information it's like you know it's it's like I think it's like a hundred dollars a year and you have access to everything on there so it's like as an artist I I continuously have reinvested in my own education and honestly the more affordable the better because it's a lot and it's hard and so I if I had video I mean I'm sure you know this with podcasts the editing video is a beast, and. I need to like actually probably outsource that because I'm like, this is just takes up so much time because I actually have like classes. I really want to do it. Just like I can't commit two weeks to like then processing it after. So um, it's something that I've been wanting just to grow in my, my teaching voice as well as my artist voice and just offer a perspective that's approachable and, you know, accessible. That's not super expensive and to share because I think everyone's going to I don't know. I think as artists, we should never stop learning. So, and it's always good to have multiple v- people there you can go off of and whatever. And I would love to be one of those people for people at some point. So um, it's something that's developing slowly, but it is developing.
0: Is your online course on Skillshare um, a beginner's course as well, just like your adjunct teaching?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it actually, and actually, I'm actually slowly moving in grad school, I actually did some online oil painting classes um, that were kind of like, here's like, here's how you get started. So I'm actually moving those. Actually, there already. So, um, and actually, it's funny because grad school, I just wanted to dive into like complex things, and they're like, yeah. you really should teach the beginning part first. And here I am, three years later, like oh, these are really long videos to make. So <laughs> that's why it's taking me so long. I'm trying to do my due diligence and like start at the beginning. So I have a. Like an oil painting supplies course, just like here is just like, here's what they are. Um, and then I have a getting started in oil painting class. And then I have a letting go of perfectionism class, which has good some one. fun. Actually, one exercise was inspired by Anne Treese. I give her credit in the video. Um, so things like that to help loosen up. And then I have, I want to do one on painting people good enough because I feel like that's like wedding painting. It's yes. like, it's a good enough. And I was like, I want to do that one. I think that's the one I want to make this year. So oh, we'll I, see when it happens.
0: <laughs> I feel like if you hired a video team or at least an editor to help you, you would crank out so many videos. Like there'd be so many good ones of like how to set up for live wedding painting and then how to like sell your live <laughs> wedding painting package. And then like have, like <laughs> you have so much creative knowledge and I, I feel like you could just like turn them out. But my other question is, are these are these profitable? Are these things that are, like, actually making you an okay amount of not money? Not right now. Not right now. Not yeah. right now.
1: Not right now. Um, Just when you consider how much – I mean, it's free to be on Skillshare. So in that mm-hmm. sense, it's not like I'm losing money doing it. But mm-hmm. um, the amount of time they take up to make versus how many – like, the algorithm I, – I, I'll be honest. Every single time I publish a class, something is wrong. I'm like, I've read that stuff stupid things so many times and and then they (laughs) then they have to take it down and like I have to fix it and so it just like for me the algorithm just tanks every single time because you don't have that first push um but that's also like it's okay like I I'm doing it because I want to share um and I think and uh, everything can't be that way though of course but I, I do hope that like as I make more it becomes a better consistent stream of income because I do legitimately like sharing um and I think it's important.
0: And a lot so. of the things that you're you're teaching here are very like evergreen content. They they last yeah. over and over. It's like you, you learn how to make oil paintings the same way for five hundred years and a couple of products get updated here and there, but <laughs> it's exactly it's the yeah. same. I oh gosh, I think I think it'd be really cool if you made some more, but uh you know, you gotta you gotta spend your time wisely. And I feel like that's kind of an outlier topic that we've approach today it's like where are you spending your time that makes the most impact but also that brings you yeah. the most impact creatively and
1: um you know on that note just to respond yeah i I went down this deep dive, it was probably two years ago, but it was like this, I'll be honest, I don't even remember the book. So I'm so sorry for whoever wrote this, but (laughs) it was a book about work and they kind of divided like the way that we work and, you know, maybe seven or nine or eight different topics. And there was like the maker, the teacher, the leader, all these different like kind of categories. And that actually really clarified things for me because I was like, like research, I was like, I number 1 i like to make things and teaching was on there performing was like the very bottom and mm-hmm. so sometimes wedding painting if i think of it as a performance i actually freeze i can't think of it as that i have to think of it as something i'm making but i was like i just like to make stuff and i think that's what i'm learning when it comes to outsourcing when it comes to hiring i have like a i have an assistant that every so often i just can task her if it's like if it's the making part i'm like please i want that but like marketing is not I just lose interest in marketing so fast. So like people never know about it because I'm just like, and eh, moving on to the next thing I want to make. And so I'm learning, like I have to have help with that because if it's up to me, it just sits in the internet world forever and no one mm-hmm. knows.
0: Oh, having an assistant is like one of my dreams. I'm like, <laughs> can't wait to get me one of those. It's going to be <laughs> nice. <laughs> I only have a, a couple more questions for you today, but I, I wanted to know what is your, daily schedule like like i'm sure no two days are the same mm. because you are a parent and a creative but what is yeah. like it's a studio day for you what is it what does that look like
1: great yeah a studio day um because i two days a week i am at the university mm-hmm. um but so that looks a little bit different but if it's a studio day usually kids are out of the house either i take them or my husband helps um he helps a lot but you know usually by 9 9 30 i'm like there's no children in my sphere (laughs) I am back in the studio um and I try I try to avoid um scheduling things if I can help it but like I I, I'll be honest at at best maybe one studio day every three weeks there's actually nothing on the calendar everything else there's going to be some appointment whatever so I try to do those around lunchtime where it's a natural break where I'm able to like get in so basically I'll just kind of go into the studio if I have I try to always have a good intention like here's what I'm focusing on this week because if I'm in the space being ADHD I will just be like all the projects will scream at me at once and so I actually have to kind of manage myself a little bit by like okay here's here's the deadline this is like I'll set it out the night before like this is what we're working on you cannot do anything else until you finish where you, whatever milestone you need to get Um, so I'll, I'll basically do that until midday Um, and then my brain gets tired. I used to just continue on all night and continue on all afternoon. And I honestly get tired. So if I'm still feeling good, I will continue. If I'm in the really good flow and like, okay, these are just kind of happening. I will continue until, you know, three or so when it's time to pick up kids. Sometimes we also have extended care for our kids. So sometimes I can keep going, but then sometimes I'll just, okay, I'll go back for another hour and then maybe start doing emails and whatever, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, what's helped the most is, like, uh, dedicate a good amount of time each week to, like, making sure I'm clear on what my priorities are and writing them on a piece of paper and, like, taping it to the studio wall and, like, yeah, no, 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 squirrel, squirrel. This is what you need to do, (laughs) not the squirrel. But I I use that sometimes as my advantage, though, because I'm like, okay, if you finish, if you finish that commission, then Mm -hmm. you get to work on oranges. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, I, like, (laughs) trick myself into having fun, so...
0: (laughs) that's that's a good it's a good day. Yeah, how do you it's how do you like day. to end your days?
1: Oh gosh. I am I, I this is where I'm having a hard time. I think it's the ADHD. I I, I start to like like spin too much. Like mm-hmm. I'll be like, "Okay, I have to do this and this and this and all of a sudden I'm not ending my day." And like, you know, if Kayla brought the kids home, then like I'm still doing things when the kids are home. So I I'm trying to stop that. Um and so recently this has been really cool. I've been picking the kids up at at school end but I now live where I can walk to their school. So I like walk to pick them up and come back which is a really good like mental block you know and then I My studio is now in the garage, and I'm opening up the garage door, and they will come and like paint in the studio with me. Your kids make with
0: you? Stop! They
1: do, (laughs) which has been my dream. Like my old space was too small for that, and they have their they have their drawer and their shelf, and they they just make the floor. They just paint all over the floor, and that's fine. And so I'll try to use that time to like tie up loose ends and Mm -hmm. basically. As long as my one big thing of the day is done, then it's like, you know, I say that I don't do email. I, let's be real. I check my email in the morning. I check it at lunch. I probably, if I'm not liking a painting, I'm probably checking it four times in the next hour or two, but try to wait till the end of the day to finish up those things that don't require so much creative energy. Cause that's really like what I need to, that I I don't want emails to get the best version of my creative energy that day. I'd rather wait till the end of the day where at least the painting's got the best part.
0: That's so. that's important. You, you gotta you gotta know when your creative bursts are gonna come, and if it's in the morning, don't be doing emails in the morning. Save those for oh, later. Yep. People can wait. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sometimes they wait like two weeks. I'm sorry,
0: yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> they would email you again and again if it didn't get answered.
1: <laughs> and they
0: do. So and they do. <laughs> my last question for you, or I guess my last two questions for you, is what is some advice that you would have? for an artist who's like I want to diversify my income I want to either try you know Mm. the videos I want to try making products whatever it is but they don't know where to start what's your advice
1: I that's a really good question okay I have one comment and then I have a piece of advice so Mm. the comment would be anything new you start is going to cost you something Mm. um and oftentimes it is financially um for example, wedding painting, I mm-hmm. needed the easel, you're going to need insurance, like the events just require it, you have to have it, it's $400 a year, maybe 500 like it's a lot, it's a lot of money um, to understand that, like to, and so to like, I would, base off of, get the information before you go and spend a lot of time and energy on a certain thing first Mm -hmm. is like the first thing I would say just understand that's going to cost and if it doesn't cost money it's going to cost your time and energy so um think about that but the second one is especially as artists I feel like project-based stuff especially like commissions those are very clear um come up with packages and with parameters and so uh, wedding painting is a good example I do Two sizes and two sizes only, you have two choices. And mm-hmm. I have some extras. You could add framing if you want, but like I have two sizes. I buy those frame, those canvases in bulk, like once a year. And they yes. just I have them and, and that's it. It's not like I'm having to reinvent the wheel every single time. I do, I've done house portraits for realtors. It's completely word of mouth. It's the first thing I ever did to make money as an artist. It was pulled. My friend's a realtor, she asked me to do it. Her little group found out. I've been doing them for five years. I have one size. I have two frame colors. I buy the frames twice a year. Like it's a setup. It's standard. That's it. So I think like it's a system, and so it's not like I'm having to order frames and keep track of it all. I just like it's standard. It's there. So I would say like come up with that. Like I offer pet portraits. You can get them there. They're eight by ten white frame or black frame, like period, done. No, I'm not doing them bigger. I can't, you can't do that. It's like, you're going to drive yourself crazy unless you really want to. And sometimes you do, but it's hard.
0: Limitations will set you free.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And probably make you more money. Yeah. Yeah. And people like that too. When they have too many choices, people freeze to make a decision. So Mm -hmm. if you just give them two or three, everyone's a lot happier and if they're not happy then that's kind of a red flag of a client to be honest like maybe you just don't need to work with them
0: related to that what is what prompts you besides being impulsive what what prompts you to pick the new income stream
1: i i i've come to think of my creative practice as making first mm. and then where would this make the most sense and once i gave myself permission that sometime i can make products and i can have an exhibition like once I gave myself permission to embrace the spectrum of where things could possibly live, it became more fun, also harder because it's not like I have' I'm, I'm spread kind of thin. But yeah. like sometimes I'm like, okay, like this, yes, this is a cool original painting, but like I actually feel like this is meant to be on a product like this is made for that and 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 that's okay like that's absolutely okay and the originals can live too but like so and and, or maybe it's a more conceptual idea that like needs to live more in exhibition space I wouldn't say that's the most profitable way to work because I end up just like bebopping around and like shifting as we go but I have found there's enough things that I do that like live wedding painting commissions, like I live wedding painting, like I don't like there's no marking those down. Like that is what I eat from. The other things are so variable. I have to have more space in my budget for for those. So um for me it's about I make the work and where does it need to live? How does it need to show up in the world? And that's that's where that it goes. So if it's online teaching, it's because I want to share information, but I want to do it in a way that's accessible, that doesn't involve physically going to a space. Okay, online probably is the best way. And what's the most affordable, since accessibility is like, important to me, probably mm-hmm. Skillshare. Like, that's probably going to make the most sense. So yeah. that's kind of how I think of it. And then, to be honest, I editing video is harder than I thought. So that's why it's been slower. That's why it's been a slow <laughs> process.
0: You're going to run into road bumps and you must keep <laughs> going over them. <laughs> going to work <laughs> That's that is some beautiful advice and listeners I I hope you I hope you take it to heart when you're trying to think of what else could I do to make some money and but still keep it under the art umbrella. Um I feel like
1: I'm not a I have a lot going on but I wouldn't recommend that to people. I I I wish that I could turn off certain things in my brain. I just can't. Like I want to do everything and I, I create systems for everything, so that way I kind of can. So, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a great example of what to do, um, but you know,
0: I, I feel like you are a perfect example of having ADHD as an artist. Just like <laughs> it's very it's very clear, and the majority of people listening probably aren't going to pick ten income streams to have, but maybe like one or two extra, and that's usually what we'll yeah. keep it going. And yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> it's still good advice. It's very funny. <laughs>
1: i don't know if i'm a good example <laughs> um so learn yeah. from it apply it in a way that's healthy we're learning um, and we'll be great we'll be great <laughs> <laughs> so good. and by the way i let things sit like i do ornaments once a year you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. not like all these things are happening every single week it's just like they you know i may have at most two or three things in a week that's focus we have seasons so that means some things are dormant yeah some things are dormant for a while weddings Mm -hmm. I I have like a four-month break I'm not doing weddings for a minute until they come back and that's okay so perfect what's next for you Okay, so I just moved. So Mm -hmm. right now, really in my plan, I just have a lot of making that I just all these things that I was out of my studio for five months. Mm. And so now it's just all the things that have been pent up. Um, So I'm hoping that the next couple of months can be really productive in the studio. And then I'll probably use that to apply for some exhibitions. Um, But yeah, this is kind of entering the slow season and I'm very ready for it. Very ready for it. It's going to (laughs) be excellent.
0: If people want to find you on the internet, where should they go?
1: I am on Instagram more than I should be. So <laughs> nice. I'm mostly on my um, page. Kristen Ray chronic is my handle. Um, I also have my website, kristinchronic.com Um, Those are really the two places that, you know, if we want to say hi, Instagram me, sometimes I don't respond as Stephanie knows, but I do my very best. So
0: If you just keep sending her messages, she will eventually respond. It just happens. (laughs) I'm so sorry. You can't take it personally. You just have to keep sending her messages. And then then suddenly she'll be on your podcast. And it's great. (laughs) Kristen, thank you for all of your advice today. And I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. You've been great. Thank you for having me. I will be linking everything that we talked about in the show notes today, including uh, books and galleries and all sorts of things that we talked about. If there is a link, I will find it (laughs) so you don't have to search for it. And uh, that's all, friends and hosts. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.